We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America podcast presented by Twisted Tea. I'm Bill Trochi, senior editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our national college football writer at SportingNews.com. You can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92. You can follow me at Bill Trochi. And keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and submit a brief review. That's uh, be very helpful for us. Today, we are pleased to welcome in Brian Driscoll from Irish Breakdown. You should be familiar with him. He's all over Notre Dame. Got tons of followers, tons of podcasts, tons of stories at Irish Breakdown. We are pleased to have him in. Welcome in, Brian. Thanks for having me on, guys. It is USC Notre Dame week. The uh, shine is off the game a little bit uh, coming off of Notre Dame's loss to Louisville. USC did its part. They tried to lose the game against Arizona, but they didn't. So they remain undefeated. Uh, but Notre Dame comes in with two losses. Uh, I guess first thing, you were in Louisville. What did you see? You know, the offense that uh, produced 40 points the last four, uh, first four weeks of the season has really taken a step back the last three weeks. What did you see in person, and why do you think they have taken that step back? It's so many things. I mean, number one, I put something on the message board at Irish Breakdown right before the kickoff, and I was like, guys, I got a bad feeling about this game. Just because just going through warm-ups, there was no energy. There was no emotion on the Notre Dame side. Louisville's players are hopping up and down. They're excited. And not the fake energy, right? Like you look for that false enthusiasm. It wasn't that. They were just – this was a big game for them. And for the Notre Dame players, they just were kind of going through the motions. And then they start off well and three straight completions. They get out past midfield and then boom, interception. And and it was just one of those things where Notre Dame just kept making too many mistakes. Uh, they didn't play well enough up front, consistently enough up front uh, to, to get the run game going after the first maybe series or two because Notre Dame moved the ball early uh, relatively well. Then they would shoot themselves in the foot, just silly mistakes. Sam Hartman not seeing open guys. You know, you hit your, your – um, you know, you're up you're, – you're, it's tied – 
seven seven, your defense forces a fumble on the first play, of the second half, you get the ball deep in their territory. First play, bam, minus five. You know, it's just stuff like that all night. You, you hit a thirty yard pass at seventeen thirteen. You hit a thirty yard pass, get you deep in a little territory. And you called for an, a, a face mask by your offensive. I don't know if I've ever, Bill. I've been to a lot of football games. I've never seen an offensive <laughs> lineman get called for a face mask like that. And and it was a legit call. I mean, I'm my frustration is not. I can't believe they called that. It's like I can't believe you did that. Yeah, that's like <laughs> offensive line play one-on-one and it just was stuff like that all night guys where it just there was no rhythm uh they would use jeremiah love early he rips off a couple big gains early and then we don't see him again really until the second half or just was the the constant rotating after every single play i i, I kind of joked on our show yesterday you know i did it with some seriousness but do you think the notre dame receivers spend more time running on and off the field than they do running routes and 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 the point being, it just prevents you from really getting into any kind of rhythm when guys just aren't playing. And then they started rotating linemen in the middle of the game for some reason. Uh, it just um, they're just grab bagging guys. There's no identity to who they are or who they want to be. So they're just calling plays to call plays, and it really prevents them from getting anything going any at all with any consistency. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, when you Google Marcus Freeman right now, it's a range of criticism from, here's one, incompetence is breathtaking, heat on Marcus Freeman, you know, another opportunity, another get loss against a ranked opponent. Brian, where do you fall on Freeman for the criticism? You know, and it really started with the end of the Ohio State game and it hasn't stopped. So where do you land on this criticism of Marcus Freeman? I think it's fair. Uh, look, you didn't have your team ready to play against a big-time opponent, right? And and mm-hmm. it's one thing if you just get beat, right? You just go out there and the other team makes plays and, and and you get beat, right? And, you know, I can live with that. Notre Dame against USC last year, right? Notre Dame played their butts off. They were shorthanded. They were down some guys. And Caleb Williams, you know, did some Superman stuff, right? I know you guys were talking about how great he is. That day, USC was just a better team. I can live with that. You know, last year against Ohio State in the opener, I can live with that game. Notre Dame played their butts off. They kept it close for a while. Ohio State was just a better football team than they were. I can live with that. It's the games where you lose where it's like, was that team really the better team? They were from the standpoint if they beat you, but they shouldn't have been the better team. That's the difference. And 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 I think that's a very fair criticism. This team is just not playing with a lot of energy right now. Uh, he's not been able to push the buttons needed to get this team ready to play. And, and I, I, But I was happy yesterday and Monday in his press conference when he said, and look, we're not going to use the excuse of no bye weeks, eight straight games, and they shouldn't because if Duke and Louisville is what wears you down, 
then that speaks to a much bigger problem with how you prepared your team. Cause you've known you were not going to get a bye week till after your eighth game. You got to prepare that way, use your depth and do all these different types of things. And, and as much as I like coach Freeman and want him to be successful at Notre Dame, and, and he has plenty of time to prove that right now, he has not done a good job really building this team. And you guys talk about the, the group that scored 40 points a game. The things we saw that led to 40 points per game stopped in the past game the minute they played Ohio State. And just the lack of aggressiveness, the lack of taking the shots, the, you know, just the 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 doing the things needed. They are trying to shorten games. And I, I've said this forever, and, and I've never been a shorten the game guy because I've always believed if the other team is better, instead of beating you 41 to 38, you shorten the game, they beat you 24 to 21. It's still, you're still going to lose. And we saw that ex- exact thing happening against Ohio State. Notre Dame shortened the game, limited possessions by both teams. But guess what? Ohio State still made the plays they needed to do to, to beat you. And you didn't give your off- offense a chance to, to, to go back and maybe get it back at the end. So uh, it's just that defensive coordinator mentality that you get concerned about, guys. Uh, is he going to allow the offense to, to turn loose? You look at Oklahoma. Brent Venables has turned Jeff Lebby loose, right? Look at Dan Lanning and what he's done in two years, you know, gets Kenny Dillingham in year one, then goes and gets the guy from UTSA in year two as Will Stein, right? I believe it's as the OC at Oregon. And he's like, look, cause he knows, he knows you've got to score in college football today. If you're going to be a champ, yeah, you got to play great defense, but you've got to score. And I think Marcus Freeman still thinks that you can win the way that Jim Trestle did, which is, you know, 20 to 17 and, and that's just not college football anymore, not against the better teams on your schedule. So you mentioned it, Brian, and uh, where do you fall on the schedule piece of this? Because it's hard to deny that it's been a grind. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you, you're doing show after show after show. You feel it. It's This is the eighth <laughs> week uh, from week zero to week seven. They've played several undefeated teams. They've had several primetime games, several road games, an international game. So you can't deny that that hasn't played a role and they have, I think they've tried to adjust their practices. I think I heard that they really scaled back during the Louisville week, try to get these guys fresh after the draining Duke victory and what have you. Um, How much do you attribute the Louisville kind of second half collapse to the schedule? Is it, is it how how big of a piece it is? Cause I feel like it's a piece. It's not an excuse. You're Notre Dame. You're going to get everybody shot. That's been going on for years and years. But it's hard to deny that they didn't look worn down in that second half. Then I would say I have to question what you did to get here as a program, right? I mean, your first four weeks, you had Navy, Tennessee State, North Carolina State, and Central Michigan, right? Like the stretch is really recently, you know, and it's like a perfect example is the week before they play Ohio State. Uh, J.D. Bertrand, their middle linebackers, out with an injury. And so instead of playing the young guys, the freshmen, getting them on the field, they moved Jack Kaiser into Mike. Like, why? That was a chance for you to really limit your reps. You look at some of these games where it's like, you know, why, why didn't you use your depth more? Well, that guy's not ready. Well, get him ready. That's your job. You know, it's like the offensive line thing. They waited till game seven to try to rotate in a really talented younger guy. Why not do that against Navy and Tennessee State? And so – yeah, they looked worn down, but they, but, but again, that's college football, right? I mean, the last time Notre Dame won a national championship, they didn't get a bye week until after week nine, and they didn't play Tennessee State. They didn't get to play Central Michigan. 
So I understand that that that, but you knew this was your schedule. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a, it wasn't like they they changed it on you. Like, oh shoot, we were supposed to have a buy and they changed it on you. You've got to play to that when you are playing the inferior opponents by building your depth and those type of things. But you know, you look worn down, but at the same time, it's like it was it's it looked like that before the game started. There just was no fire. And I don't care how tired you are, man. If you're not excited to play college football, there's a deeper problem there. So it's one thing to say I I accept the fact that Notre Dame has played eight straight, seven straight games, right? right? And it's another thing to say that's the reason that they're struggling, and and that's the difference. And I was happy to hear Marcus Freeman say in his press conference on Monday, "Nah, we're not you." And that was the most uh, fired up he was is when someone tried to you know ask him about that. He's like, "No, nah, we're not using that as an excuse because that's stuff Brian Kelly used to do when they would have, you know, oh, your know, kids had midterms, they traveled a lot, and it's been a long year." It's like, yeah. You give them that excuse, they're going to use it, right? You can't do it because, you know, again, guys, yes, Ohio State's a good football team, but Duke's a good football team. Louisville's a good football team. But but are those the teams that should really worry out? I mean, I brought this up on our show. Look at Bama's only played one less game than Notre Dame. And and you look at who Bama's played since the second game of the year, Texas, South Florida, on the road, Ole Miss, Mississippi State on the road, at Texas A&M. And they're handling business, right? I mean, that, that's what you're supposed to do. You're Notre Dame. And your job is to get your team ready to play. I don't care if it's ugly. Just win. And, you know, that's what they needed to do, and they couldn't get it done. Does the primetime thing matter at all? I mean, you've coached. You've you've been around, like, college teams. I mean, I, I did say, you know, when you play four straight primetime games and you were the big game and then you were Duke's all-in game, then you were Louisville's all-in game, and it's, I find it curious you talk about the energy. You kind of knew Louisville was coming in. Now you're another big game against a rival with the best player in the country, and I do think Caleb Williams is the best player in the country. So what is the rallying point this week? What's left for Notre Dame emotionally going into this game? I know that's a big question, Brian, but how do you feel about their emotional state going into having to – the challenge of stopping USC. The good news is they're going to be able to score a lot of points on USC. Better be. <laughs> Better be. Well, I'll say this, Bill. I think you made a pretty compelling case for Brock Bowers in your first yeah. show of yeah. the day as far as being the best player in college football. But no, Caleb Williams is the most dynamic player in college football. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but if you're Notre Dame, look, you've got a bye week coming up. I think that's sort of the, the hey, guys, we just got to get through this week. I need you to dig deep and really just let's get through this week because you have a bye coming up. I, I think the only thing that I'm somewhat sympathetic to with the schedule is the night game aspect of it because mm-hmm. that's a challenge because now you're losing sleep. You're you're in a plane. You're not getting back to South Bend until 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, sometimes later, depending on where you're flying from. And that, and that can really mess with your sleep. And sleep is a very important thing, especially for athletes. And so that's the part that's a challenge for me. And then you're, you know, you're getting home late Saturday night, early Sunday morning from Duke, and then you've got to fly out again on Friday. That can wear you out. I'll give you that. But it's, but again, it's, you've got to answer that bell and, and you know, you're getting home the next week and now you've got a chance. And so really what it comes down to bill is what is your character as a football team right now? If you're Notre Dame, it's, it's, are you a team that's to say our backs are against the wall we're going to come out swinging because we've got nothing to lose right now. We've got nothing to lose, but you know what we can do? We can take away USC's chance to have something. Our playoff hopes are are, are gone now, right? Barring the most chaos ever in the history of college football, Notre playoff chances are done, right? So now what can we do? Let's ruin our arch rivals' chances at getting to the college football playoff and get our season back on track because Notre Dame's ultimate goal is done. 
it's not going to be a championship, but there's a lot to play for. If you end this season 10 and 2, New Year's Six bowl win, bowl win, you you beat USC, you go on the road and beat Clemson, you still can look and say, hey, we took a step forward this season from where we were in year two and feel good about, you know, what your chances are next season. And, and so I think that's got to be where Coach Freeman's at. Is, guys, we got a lot to play for still. It's not give up time, right? Fans can give up and say they're not going to watch anymore. Don't care. We have a lot to play for, and we can accomplish a lot this Saturday against USC. That's got to be the message. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Yeah, it's funny. You look at this season. I looked at you know my outlook for Notre Dame before the season, and Sam Hartman was an X factor. We didn't really know what it was going to look like how he was going to fit in, new offensive coordinator, all that stuff. I thought that you got the three big, the big three on the schedule. They get one out of those three. And then the other nine, I think maybe they go eight and one. I'm thinking nine and three before the season. I don't know what their over-under was. I think it was in the nine. It's like eight, seven and a half, eight and a half, something like that. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I was like nine and three would sound good. And right now, the one and two against the big three is still alive. The eight and one against everybody else is still alive, but it does feel like it's a disappointment because they took off so quickly with Hartman and because they played Ohio state, even to the end, they played better than Ohio state for most of the game. You felt like, okay, this is the breakthrough. Then you start dreaming about playoff time. But you know, if you're a Notre Dame fan, I don't know. It just, it feels like nine and three is kind of what we thought before the season. No. Not me. No, no, not me. I mean, just because I look at the schedule and you knew USC's defense was going to stink. I knew this Clemson team wasn't going to be that good. Uh, I, I, we did predict that Duke would be a lot better. I, I think a lot, I think that's part of the frustration for Notre Dame fans is they just see the name on the, on the helmet and they see Duke and they don't realize it's a good football team. Yeah. Mike Elko's done a really good job there. Uh, you go on the road and beat them. That's a, that's a good win. Right. And, 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 you know, in Mike Elko's career, he's what 13 and five. And his biggest loss was an eight-point loss to Kansas in his first month as a head coach. I mean, his his losses last year by combined 16 points. And I can make all those arguments about Dwayne Carter and R.J. Oban and Jamie on Franklin and how good Riley Leonard is. And all they Notre Dame fans see is Duke. That's all they see, right? And all they see is Louisville. Try to tell them all week last week, guys, this is a good football team. It's a good football team. And, and I understand that, but that's also part of the frustration is you didn't lose to USC and and – Clemson and the, and the best teams on the schedule, you lost to Louisville, right? And it's like if Notre Dame beats Louisville last week, Notre Dame fans are fired up going into this game this week because, hey, we're 6-1 and one and, you know, yeah, we should have beat Ohio State. You were the better team for 57 minutes. That's basically what it came down to. They were the better team for 57 minutes and Ohio State was the better team for the last three. Well, those were the three that mattered. 
And so I think it's the Louisville game that really changed the, the dynamic of how people view this team. It really was. If they go out there and handle their business against Louisville, and they are a good football team. It's not one that should have beat Notre Dame, though. Then all of a sudden you go into this game against a reeling USC defense that can't stop. I mean, they just gave up 41 to Arizona's backup quarterback. You know, it, it's it's they're struggling. And you start saying, hey, man, you, you, you win that game. And now all of a sudden – you go into the bye week, get refreshed, and it's beat Clemson, and you're done. I mean, and you're golden. You're eleven and one, and and so I think Notre Dame fans were starting to think like this team has a chance to really do something because of like you said, you beat NC State by twenty one on the road, you beat a quality Duke team, you took Ohio State down to the wire. That Louisville game was a gut punch, not just because they lost, but how they lost. Mm-hmm. I think that was the gut punch, and it's like, why did you bring in Sam Hartman? if you're going to have them play like Drew Pine. That's what a lot of Notre Dame fans are wondering. And then at this point in time, guys, honestly, it's a very fair question. And it's the first halves have been so slow. I mean, the last three games, I don't have it in front of me, but I don't think they've scored more than 10 Except points. They, they've scored 17 points combined in the last two weeks and because they scored seven against Louisville, 10 against Duke, and then – Zero well, against Ohio State. Right. And then the 10 points against Duke came out – the first touchdown came after you had to fake a punt on fourth down. <laughs> and then the second – the field goal they got came after you intercepted a pass and gave them the ball at the, the 13-yard line. So Man. even the even the 10 against Duke is a little bit – yeah, it wasn't That's really right. like great offensive play. If you scored six points in the first half against USC, it's not going to be pretty – It's going to be a long night, man. It's gonna be a long, I don't care how good your defense is, you're not keeping Caleb Williams to – under 24 points it's just you're just not they did a good job on him last year though mm-hmm. relatively speaking I mean I know yeah. he ran and made some plays in the running game but passing wise they didn't get the big play right. so is there anything you see with USC on film that that you think okay Notre Dame will be all right defensively or what do they have to do? like what's the formula there's no formula to say hey we got to stop Caleb Williams but what's the formula right. for them well, it's like that old joke that wasn't who was it, Chris Berman. You know, you can't stop him. You just hope to contain him. But that that really is the game plan, and yeah. it's very similar to what they did with Duke. Uh, Riley Leonard isn't as good as Caleb Williams, but they're very similar in style of play, right? Like run around, make plays with their legs, buy time, throw the ball down the field, and those type of things. And they did a very good job of just never letting Riley Leonard get into rhythm. And that's a much better offensive line at Duke than they have at USC. I mean, that Duke's even without Graham Bart, that was a, a very good Duke offensive line. They're a lot like the Michigan lines. They're not as dominant as Michigan's were. But like that first Michigan team, it was like a bunch of seniors and fifth-year seniors. They just played great together. That's how Duke is. And Notre Dame dominated them. That was really what it came down to. And that's what they're going to have to do against USC. They're going to have to you, – you don't stop Caleb Williams. You just – beat the guys around him. Notre Dame has one of the best corner tandems in college football, and they're going to have to play. They're going to have to be on top of their game, right? right. And, and you saw what they did against Ohio State guys outside. I think Ohio State's receivers had like uh, – I think it was like three catches on like eight or nine targets for like 26 yards against Notre Dame corners. They had to move a mech inside and get him matched up against safeties and in and, and the nickels to get him free. And, and that's going to be a key, right, because USC is going to do a similar thing. But, it, guys, it comes down to the trenches. You have to win in the trenches. And then this year, unlike last year, when you get those chances to bring Caleb Williams down, you got to bring him down. That's going to be a big key. If he's able to scramble around and stay free and all that, you're you're just going to have to find some ways to make stops. And 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 you can't afford to, to, like you guys said, you can't afford to start slow. And I think if the offense comes out playing well early, that'll kind of – because you watch the defense play, there's a lot of pressure on the defense now. Like, guys, we can't give up points. Right. If we give up points, we might lose. That's a that's a that's a tough place to be. 
And so if the offense comes out, plays well early, I think that's going to give the defense say, hey, guys, we're fine. Our offense is cooking today. Let's just go out there, execute what we're told to do. And when you get chances to make plays, make those plays. Because you guys know he's going to throw a couple balls that if if you play it right, you'll have a chance to maybe go get it. And, you know, but it, it come, it's going to come down to trench play. If you can dominate in the trenches, you got a shot to win this football game because you take Caleb Williams off of USC, they're a barely 500 football team yeah, right they're now. Seven, they're seven and six with that defense, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Now, how do you think they approach this game? It's like, were they sneaking a peek? You know, against Arizona, uh, ahead to the Notre Dame game, and then they're back. Their schedule is so backloaded; they got a ton of challenges. Oh yeah, in the Pac-12 after the Notre Dame game. So you know, I think they feel like this is week one of their season a little bit. Well, maybe they started sneaking ahead at Notre Dame like way back on September 23rd because <laughs> the same thing happened against Arizona State. That's a bad Arizona State team, and they hung with them. You know, it was like, what, was it 35-28 at one point in time? USC was never threatened the way they were against Arizona, but Arizona's a better football team than Arizona State. They didn't yeah. look very good against Colorado in the second half. You know, I mean, you allow that come. It's 34-7, to and Colorado's a extra point – I mean, a uh, an onside kick away from having a chance to tie the football game up. And and if it wasn't for some really poor clock management from Colorado's offense on that last drive, may, maybe they don't have to onside kick it. You know, and and then of course last week down seventeen nothing. But look, at the end of the day, they've got they've got Caleb Williams and some legitimate offensive weapons. They're not they're not quite like they were last year as far as at the very top, but they're very deep when it comes to weapons. Running back, you know, young tight end, Deuce Robinson, receiver. Uh, it, but in the day, it comes down to you just can't let Caleb Williams get into into rhythm. You've got to you've got to be able to. That's what that's what allowed Colorado to start call, crawling back, guys. They started getting after Caleb Williams a little bit, forcing some hurries, batting down some passes, got a couple sacks, and then they just just enough stops to to go out there and start getting some points, and they made it a ball game. But uh, I, I just think USC is a is just not a great team. Lincoln Riley's going to still need some more time to really build up that roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball in the trenches. They lost a lot of six-year seniors last year from the offensive line, and they're just – look, you can't replenish an offensive line with four transfers. You just It just takes too much time to get them going. And, uh, you know, that's what USC is going to have to to figure out as a way to get that part of their lineup better because they're not going to have Superman next year most likely. Right. I mean, right. And, and so then all those those holes kind of like when I when I predicted that Clemson was going to take a step back, because you could just see in, even in 2020, like Trevor and Tre- Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne are masking some holes on that football team. They don't have T Higgins and Justin Ross anymore. They don't have Mike Williams. They don't have those guys. They're met in their defense and, and the secondary wasn't good. You just could tell that Trevor and, and Etienne were masking some things. And that's what happened. And same thing with USC. Caleb Williams masks some major holes in that program, which shouldn't be surprised. I mean, Lincoln Riley took over a four and eight football team. I, mean, I think he's done a heck of a job getting them to where they are. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. but uh, it helps when you've got Caleb Williams. It helps. Quite a yeah. Bit. So, all right. Before we get out here, I got a little trochy trivia for both yeah, of you guys. Bill, you're a little. This is going to be handicapped for for you, Bill. You're going to have to guess. I think Brian might get it though. So, in the spirit of Notre Dame, USC. Uh, and how much uh, USC scores this offense? Very prolific, of course, with Caleb Williams. What are the uh, in the Notre Dame USC series? What is the most points USC has scored in a loss? What is the oh. most points USC has scored in a loss? It's actually a very famous Notre Dame USC game. Is a you know they don't have too many shootouts in this game. So the question is who. I mean, uh, sorry. How many points has most, most points, points USC, USC lost has scored in a loss to Notre Dame? 
Hmm. Put put your shootout caps on. I'm trying to think. Because I'm thinking of some of the some of the bigger shootouts. I mean, I'm. I think it wasn't it year one of Lou Holtz. Oh, you are correct. Look at him go. That, <laughs> that started Lou. I think one like you nine have the in answer. A row. Give the actual answer. It was, it was 86, right? What was the point total? It's like 30, 35, like... 37, something like that. 37. Okay, yeah. Notre Dame won 38-37 in the season finale of Lou Holtz's first year. They trailed 37-20 to in the fourth quarter, scored 18 points. Tim Brown had a 56-yard punt return to set up the game-winning field goal. Yeah. Final play of the game, John Carney kicked the field goal in the Coliseum. Yeah. Notre Dame won 38-37, and that was the uh, the most points. Came back, right? Because Steve Berline got benched at one point in time in that yeah. game. Yes. Because he so. threw a pick. Lou brought him back in, and he rallied him. Yeah, I remember that. A very famous game. That. Yeah. Uh, ended ended year one of the Holtz uh, era on a high note. So that's and he won like nine straight against USC at that point in time, yeah. So anyway, all right. Well, thanks to Brian for joining us. Follow him at irishbreakdown.com and the Irish Breakdown podcast feed. If you're not subscribing, you need to be. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening to our podcast. Please leave a review if you enjoyed it today. We will be back later to, uh, in the week uh, with more shows. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and we will see you soon. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.